Welcome to Crossroads. My name's Justin. If you're new here, we have a gift for you in the back, and thank you for being here. Thanks for choosing us. Appreciate that. The study guides are out in the back. Um, They've been going on for the last week or so, and just as a reminder, this is a daily study guide that can keep you connected with the series that we're in right now, which happens to be drawing a line in the sand. Join me in prayer. All right, Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church and each person here. We ask that our minds and hearts be open, Lord, as we learn today about the lines that you have for us, Lord, those very clear lines. And uh, we know your hand's on this message, and your hand is on Bill as he delivers it, Lord. Again, we thank you, and we praise you. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Essential truth. What we need to know about God. Uh, What we should know, need to know, have to know about God. We're uh, starting a series called Line in the Sand. And, and the idea of a line in the sand is that these are clear truths that we need to know. The verse at the bottom is Jesus encounters a, a, a woman at a well, and uh, she's far from God. She's a Samaritan. She's uh, living with a man, and it's the, like, uh, the sixth man that she's actually had a relationship with. Several of her husband is one she wasn't married to. And they start talking about truth. They start, what's true? What's, what's? And so she starts to push back on him, and, and he says to her, oh, by the way, there's a time coming. And he says, and, and indeed, it, it's here. Christ, Christ was there. And, and when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, God the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God's looking for people who, who move in truth, who understand the truth about God, and they worship him. This, this love relationship between us and God, uh, it's called worship. It's, it's him loving us and us loving him. And we see him for who he is. So I wrote out what was on that uh, video we just watched. God is. We believe God is. There's a verse that says, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is more than a a statement about the existence of God. It's about the nature of God. He is a rewarding and a good God. God is. God speaks. God speaks to all of his creation through his creation and into our hearts. He speaks. If the verse says, you know, if you if you ask him a question, he'll answer it. Jeremiah 33, 3, God's phone number. If you ask me, I'll tell you. So that's, God speaks. He speaks in his Bible. Uh, he speaks through uh, his gifts and people. God makes and he creates. God makes and he creates. The, the creation that we walk in, that we call earth and life here in, in sunny Ridgecrest, California, is something that was spoken into existence. God creates. He makes. When Christ was on earth, he created bread. He created things. So God makes. He creates. God loves. This is a statement about our God again. He's a God of love. If you, it, It's not something that he does. Very important. It's something that he is. God is love, and then out of that flows his love for other people. God loves. God judges. Buried in each of us is a desire for justice. We want to see the evildoers punished. We want to see those who do good rewarded. We have a sense of justice, and God guarantees perfect justice on this earth. 
Every deed, every thought, every action is, is not just lost, it's, it's known. And so God judges. He, he will reward those people that follow him. Sin, he has to judge because it's contrary to his neighbor. God pursues. He hunts us down. Tell a little of my story in a while. God hunted me down. Sent someone to knock on my door to start me into church. What a, what a gift. He, he pursues us. Uh, and, and, and he continues to pursue us. There's a verse in the Bible that says, The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Our God pursues us. God comes to earth in Jesus Christ. Jesus leaves heaven. This is, this is the creator that spoke the world into existence, comes, takes on the form of a human being. He doesn't come in power. He doesn't come in might. We talk about it all the time. We should be astounded. Every time I, I try to think through this, I, I don't want to take it for granted. The all-powerful God becomes a baby that requires feeding, changing, all the things that a helpless infant, that's God, transitions. He comes to earth and he dies. Even though he was God, he humbles himself, comes to earth, dies for our sins. My sins, your sins, the sins of every person were paid for by Christ. They were known and paid for when he died. He saves us. He saves us from what? He saves us from ourselves. And we need saving from our selfish prideful self on the end. He, trans, he saves us. And then he, then he sends us out. He sends the Holy Spirit to be inside of us, to teach us, to guide us, to everything we need to know. He transforms us. He changes us. One of the, the best testimonies of the existence of God is a, is a Christian's life. He saves. He gives. He continuously pours out. Starting a study on the book of Ephesians uh, this Wednesday night. And it said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places for those who are in Christ Jesus. He gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gives. He reigns. He rules and reigns. Not a sparrow falls to the ground. He is busy at work. Busy at work is not not the truth. God takes, because of his wisdom and his sovereignty and ruling over everything, he takes my free will choices and yours and everyone here and he weaves them together into his eternal plan, which is perfect, holy, and preparing a world for us. God reigns. And the bottom line, it's true. It's true. Is it true for you? Is it, is it true for each of us, for you, for me? Do we pass it on to our kids? Is it true? Is that, that's the God that we're talking about. These are essentials for a relationship with the living God. You know, each, each of these truths is part of the greatest love story. I love that expression. The greatest love story ever told is the story of God's love for you and me. To help us understand these essentials, as a church, we're kind of taking a step back and pushing pause when we see a subject that needs addressing. And so the subject that we're for the next seven weeks is we're going to talk about the essentials of Christianity. What do we have to know? What is good to know? 
uh, what does it take to have a biblical relationship with God? And what does it take to make a difference down here for God to work through us? Seven weeks, we're going to do it. Now, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. I was up early this morning, so I counted. In the Old Testament, there's 23,000 verses in the Old Testament. So I got bored, and I went over to the New Testament. There's almost 8,000 verses in the, in, in the New Testament, 31,000 verses, ideas, concepts, and everyone knows that I didn't really do that, right? So, oh, by the way, one of the th- this is a good time to get it out. I was going to do this later. Uh, for those of you who are new to Crossroads, we have a very important principle. Don't ever believe me. <laughs> if I say something and, and you go, go look it up. Go check out. Don't believe the old bald guy. Don't believe anybody on a podcast, TV show, sitting in a pulp, wherever they are. Don't believe them. You look in the Word to find out. So what are the essentials? Out of all of this information that's there, we're going to spend the weeks looking at the essentials. And at the upper left-hand corner of this slide, it says the, in essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. And in all things, we have charity. In the essentials, as a church, we have to agree. When you come to a church, you have to agree with its doctrinal statements, its positions, the things that it stands on. We have to believe. And so Jesus tells us in the essentials, he said, Aren't you, when you believe, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we're going to talk seven weeks on the essential truths of Christianity. What does it take to know Christ, to live Christ down here, and to pass on to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, and our kids? What's truth? Truth is that is which is in accord with fact or reality. I love that. It's true. Doctrine, church doctrine, a principle or a system of belief. A fundamentalist, a strict, literal adherence to a set of principles. I am a fundamentalist. I have committed my life to the Scripture, to the Bible. And each, each follower of Christ, we become fundamental in the teachings that God has. Theology is what we're talking about, which just means theo, God, ology, knowledge. Knowledge of God. So we're unpacking what he says and what he does and what he wants us to do. First off, the essentials, the doctrines of biblical Christianity. We're going to review them. We're going to look at them. These are the things that it takes to have a relationship with God, to be a follower with God. These are the essentials. No wiggle room. Nothing. Back and forth uh, in this. This is, this is what we do, and this is what we believe. They're important. Now, the next one up is, is the next thing. These are important doctrines, uh, principles, if you will, of a system of belief. Doctrines. But they're not essential. Matter of fact, we're going to find that the essentials of Christianity uh, are very divisive if used to be divisive. It makes denominations. It divides churches. Uh, It divides the whole community of, of Christianity around the world. They're important, but they're not essentials. So, again, in the essentials, we have unity. In the non essentials, we have liberty. We'll define these. Uh, non-essentials as we go through. 
Uh, these are not so all the rest of the Bible. There's, there's wisdom, there's songs and psalms, and there's history. The whole, the whole Bible is supernaturally inspired by God. Each part of it, each word of it. So we'll, we'll talk about how that divides up, if you will, the body of Christ as we go. So what do we believe as a church? What's, what's Crossroads belief? Uh, a number of years ago when we were ap- applying for our tax-exempt status, they asked us a, a question. They said, well, what do you guys believe? This should have been easy. It wasn't. Uh, but it was quick. I just sat down and said, okay, now i got to report to this. It's a government agency. They're never going to read it anyway. And so, and if they, even if they did, they probably wouldn't understand the biblical principles involved. And so in about two hours, an hour or so, I, I sat down and I just scratched that out. And... Uh, I've looked at it over the years and gone, well, okay, and we could see, oh, these are essentials. These are essentials, and, and these are the things that we stand by. In a 101 class, we talk about them. We, we go over them each week. We're going to grab one of these and go with it. We believe there's a God. Good start. But we believe that he loves us and wants a personal relationship. The God we serve is personal. He has emotions. He can be hurt. He can be grieved. He can show love. He can feel rejection. He wants a personal relationship with him. He paid a high price for that in Christ. So we believe that God has given us the Bible, his inspired word, the basis for knowing his will. We believe that the Bible is inspired, God-breathed. Many denominations turn around and say that the Bible contains the word of God. But there's some other stuff in there that's not inspired, it's not important. You don't have to worry about that. You just, just skip over it. It's like when you walk around. I'm not going to use the example. Yeah, well, you're going to walk around the backyard if you've got a dog. You don't step everywhere. <laughs> Never mind, that was terrible. We believe the whole Bible is safe to stay up wherever you want to go. And you can apply it to your life and follow it. We believe that to know his will, to know him, to know his will for our lives. We believe that Jesus Christ is God. We believe that he is the eternal God, the all-powerful God, the God that existed for all times with all knowledge, all wisdom. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. This God, the center of all worship and glory in heaven, sets it aside, we believe. And and, uh, he became a man, a human being, to be a perfect sacrifice. To pay for my sins, he had to be a human being, and he had to be sinless. And because he paid for my sins and your sins, that we can now have a relationship with the holy God. Our sinfulness is removed. We can know God personally. And But there's a, a, an if. Always an if. The promises of God are conditional in this case. If we accept him into our life, and we say he is our Lord and our Savior. Most people, are they're really down on this, he's a Savior. Okay, okay, all my sins are gone. I've got eternal fire insurance. They're all gone. But this other word, we'll talk about it over the, over the weeks. He has to be our Lord. Lord means the supreme ruler. I have to take me up the throne of my heart, and so do you. And put him in charge. 
I've got to follow him when he says to do something. It isn't a, uh, a oh, maybe I'll get around to it later. No, it's mental assent. We say, I'm going to do that because you're God, you're Lord. This is against the personal autonomy movement in our country uh, that pushes back on that. We, we're so many of our generations are taught to be rebellious. He has to be Lord and he has to be Savior. We believe that we can have a relationship with God because of God's grace. We can have a relationship with God. As last week we talked about him being, being married to Christ. This most intimate and personal of relationships is the picture of us and our relationship with God. We believe we can have a relationship with God because of God's grace and Christ's work on the cross. Christianity is not about working. It's not about doing the right thing. It's not about earning God's love. We have his love. What, what it is about is accepting the work that Christ did on the cross so that we can, we can rest in God's work on the cross. The relationship is not a result of works. All the other religious paths to God involves us knowing something, doing something to earn that place, not us. It's a gift. We believe that God now... The first four of our doctrinal statements are basic. Here's how you become a Christian. And, and we should know them. We, we should be able to tell our kids. This is what it takes. Someone stops you at work and says, you know, I've watched your life for a while. Tell me what it takes. What does it take to be a Christian? Those are the basics. Now, our fifth statement is not something you need to do to be saved and to have a relationship with God. It's something we do because we have a relationship with God. We believe that God has uniquely designed each of us and equipped us to mature, to grow up, to, you know, to, to take off our dieties and to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants, if I'm allowed to say that. And, you know, thank you for so often for not walking out in the middle of stuff like that. The, uh, <laughs> we believe that he's uniquely designed us and equipped us to mature and grow up and to be fruitful, to bear fruit for Christ while helping others come to know Christ. We were in the book of James in our Sunday school class. Faith, belief in God without works is dead. The, the Bible compares it to a dead body that's not breathing. You're not you're not producing works. You'd be dead. And so uh, this is, these are our basic beliefs inside of our life. These are essentials. We have to hold on to these. Uh, now, there are dozens of other important doctrines, non-essentials. We have liberty, which means we're allowed to believe on both sides of this. Uh, and here's some of the issues. And again, I, I brought this up here. Thank you, Catherine, uh, who loaned me this book. This is the most boring book <laughs> that I think I've ever read. It's the handbook of denominations in the United States. In other words, it, it goes into very small print detail of what each denomination believes that separates them from other ones. These are their, these are their non-essentials or essentials and non-essentials, really, in this book. And uh, it is tedious. But here's some of the issues that churches take issue on and where we have liberty on both sides. Uh, some of them we talked about at Sunday school again. Eternal security. 
Some churches say you're eternally secure. You cannot lose your relationship with Christ. A group of churches say Christ only died for a small group of people, Calvinism, and that there's a limited atonement that Christ died for. The rest of us are toast. They don't put it that brutally. But they say that we're selected and, and we're given uh, irresistible grace. And to, so that's Armenianism and churches are divided. We've got all of these in town, by the way. Uh, water baptism. Is it necessary for salvation? And does sprinkling work? Do you have to be the Dilbert Dunker? Or can you squirt gun them? What? 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 <laughs> Thank you, thank you. The next one is, there's a lot of heat around this one. It's the end times approach. Uh, when's Christ coming back? Is Christ coming back at the beginning of a tribulation, a seven-year tribulation period? Is he coming back in the middle? Or do we get to see the whole glorious thing and he's coming back at the end? Churches are divided. Many people put this, and we'll talk about it in a minute, in their doctrinal statements. Uh, charismatic gifts are the gifts of tongue, prophecy, knowledge. Are they still given today? Are there... Are there People walking the earth with these spiritual gifts, sign gifts that were for the first century. Some churches say, nope, the Bible was complete. Those gifts are gone. Others say, bring them. We're using them. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, a separate experience from water or spiritual baptism. Musical instruments in church. Style of music. Can Christians be possessed by demons? Big division there. Uh, should women be allowed to teach, to be pastors, to be elders? Churches take different positions and state them and follow them. Uh, there's so many more we'll talk about over the next weeks. But again, if a person agrees on the essentials and the non-essential, there's liberty. As a church, a policy from the beginning uh, was if, if it's a non-essential and I'm teaching a class, it's my responsibility to look at the verses on both sides because each have biblical support. Each side of the issues I just gave you, there's verses you can use. And so I teach both. And you guys decide. You study the Scripture. You see how God speaks to you. It's not essential. Have liberty. But know why you believe what you believe. And in all things, have charity. If, if we have people that disagree on these things, you can disagree, but you've got to do it in a loving way. You've got to present your cases uh, back and forth. These are the essentials. These are the non-essentials. Why are we doing this series? I'll, I'll tell my story. Uh, many of you have heard so much about it before, probably too much. I was an unbiblical Christian for 33 years. I thought I was a Christian. I had been sent to a church when I was younger. Uh, I rejected it, not, not so much the reject the God thing, but I rejected the, the hellfire and damnation message that was sent to me. And plus, as I became a teenager, they were clearly saying things I didn't want to do, or excuse me, things that I wanted to do was sin. And they kept shaking the, the Turner burn stick at me, so it was just easier not to go. But I walked out thinking I was a Christian. I'm born in the United States. I, you may not know this, I am way cool. I can justify anything and everything that I did back in the day. I've told you this before. I always had someone that looked worse than me next to me to point to. Of course, in the reality, he was pointing to me uh, for the same reason. I would pray, God, get me out of this and I'll serve you forever. When I was scared, uh, I was lying. 
the whole time. Uh, at, at, at this time, there's 68% of the people call themselves Christians in our country. Only 2% are biblical Christians. So we still got, what, 86% or 68% of the people who are unbiblical Christians. And these verses describe it. I was a hypocrite. I honored God with my lips, but my heart was nowhere near him. It was, I was a farce in front of God. Jesus looked at me. I was neither hot nor cold. I was just walking in this junk. And so he said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Because that's the deal. He says, and we, I was saying, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I, you know, I got to deal with God. He's my, he's, my, he's my buddy. I had my little Jesus. And he said I was okay as I went forward. But God says, no, no, you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, 33 years of my life, I was a false Christian. And then, then I... I was starting to check God out. Uh, God sent a young Marine to my house to ask to take my kids to church. So I said, good, they're yours. And so uh, they went to church for a couple weeks. But during this time, I started going, God hooked me uh, with a message. And we'll talk about that later. But uh, he hooked me. And so I started investigating Christ and reading the Bible, the New Testament. But during this time, here's the fun part. Or, or maybe not so fun part. I got hooked up with a false prophet. I, I read a book called In Turn, In Turn, In Tune uh, with the Infinite. Now, doesn't that sound spiritual? I bought it at a, at a book sale that Carlsbad, California's library was having, and I started reading it. And it was really the foundation, like, of the faith movement that we have today, the word faith movement. Uh, back, if you can believe it, you can, you can create it. In your own mind, you can, you can do these things. You can command healings. You can claim God's promises. And you can force them on other people. And uh, so I, I, got, I started moving in that direction. But here's, here's what really saved me from Satan and false Christianity. During that time, I was going to a Christian, biblically-based church. And I continued to learn I continued to understand what Christ was about. I started to, to read, uh, continue to read the Bible. Uh, true, in this six-month period of time, I read the New Testament three times. I was taught about Jesus. I was shown my sins. Jesus was presented uh, as with clear evidence of who he was, the inspiration of the Bible. All of this was in front of me. And at a point, six months in, I... Uh, this became my life verse it, at that particular time. This is what changed me. I figured it out. I was a sinner. I was far from God. I don't care what I said. That Oh, no, it doesn't. I'm, no. I was a sinner. Now, we've added some Greek words to it. Sinner rat dog uh, in our life. But I had sinned, and I was continuing to sin. By God's standard, I was falling short. By grace, though, by grace, a gift freely makes me right in his sight. Through Christ who died for me, I was taught and presented Christ and Christ crucified, a sacrifice for sins. I was blown away. I'd seen a lot of men die in combat. Christ willingly died for my sins and for yours. Died so that I could be made right with God. 
when I believed that Christ sacrificed his life. I sat in the back of a church in Carlsbad, California, uh, and a prayer was offered after a very clear explanation that was taking place, and I gave my life to Christ. I said, yep, I know the truth. I know who I am. I know who Christ is, and I know I need to lay my life down. I became a biblical Christian, not a lukewarm Christian. I became a biblical Christian who willingly was crucified with Christ so he could live through me, so I could change my life. I, I didn't want to hang on to any of it. This, this, this riles the modern culture we live in. It's a total surrender. This is why there's very few biblical Christians today. Everyone can acknowledge God, acknowledge Christ, all that, but laying our lives down as a husband, serving your wife, as a wife, serving your husband, as an employee, serving diligently your boss as if you're working for Christ. That's, we laid down our lives. I became a biblical Christian. Everything transformed spiritually for me at that moment. I expected the roof of the church to open and the angels to descend in mass singing hallelujah bill has come home that didn't happen i knew that something was different i changed i I knew I had done the right thing. I'd committed to Christ. I wasn't looking for an experience. I wanted to walk in reality. I would have taken an experience. I would have, but that isn't what God said for me. Over the next six months, my life changed. Addictions fell away. My language, almost immediately, my language changed. You know, I stopped talking like a Marine. Thoughts changed. Radically changed. I had a hunger for the Bible. One of the greatest evidences of a relationship with Christ is a raging hunger for his word. How can we love someone and not want to hear their voice? I started reading. I started looking at everything that was in the Bible. I wanted to learn. First time in my life, I became a student. I had the gift of attaining a C average all the way through high school so I could play sports, all the way through college so I could get a college degree. 2.0, I'm the king. And I actually found out I had to do a little bit better in my major, but that's another story. But I had no reason to study. What's that all about? Then I found a subject, a topic, and a person worth knowing. Not just knowing about, but knowing personally. And, and, and it's like a, a, in a marriage, if you really love your mate, you want to find out about them. You want to find out what they like and dislike. You want to serve that. You want to find out. And that was my study with God. I just went at it. You know, and uh, that changed me. Uh, now, some transition. After that period of time, we left Carlsbad, came to Ridgecrest, uh, served around here for a while. And so we live in, a, in an age, and I want to talk about one more time that I almost got deceived, or excuse me, I was deceived. As a Christian, as a biblical Christian, I, and this is where I think I got the idea how important doctrine is and why we have the policy we do. These are essentials. These are non-essentials. I joined a church here in town, a Pentecostal church, still here, about 
third of the churches, maybe 40% are, are Pentecostal churches. And inside their doctrinal statement, I signed up and joined this church. And inside that doctrinal statement, one of them said, uh, we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's a good, that's what they put on their little handout. And then the other thing they said is, we believe if you're a follower of Christ with the Holy Spirit, you'll have evidence. I said, well, that makes sense. Sign this doctor, I'll join this church. And then I started studying what it really meant. That went from a just a, a, an idea to an essential in their opinion. You can only believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. You cannot teach, believe anything else and speak it out loud in the church. And as far as the evidence of the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you can't be a leader in that church. And really, you shouldn't even be a teacher in that church. So I looked at those two things, and, and I had nothing against tongues. It's a valid gift. Went through the charismatic experience. No doubt about that. Uh, it's there. I believe that Christ is coming back, I, but I want to teach all sides. I'm studying everything. So I actually had to leave that church because I was a teacher, and I couldn't support their doctrine. This is why it's very important to look at the doctrine of the churches and the teachers that you're following. The deceptions are all around us. And these little non-essentials become essentials. They become, they become what you move with. So anyway, uh, going on, 2020, we live in the information age. 3.2 Bibles in every house. Christian movies, Christian books, all that. Churches open free worship. Christian websites, information everywhere. But the essentials of the good news are hidden from people. This is the surprise of the information age. The good news of Jesus Christ, which we preach in 2020, is hidden behind the veil. It's hidden only from those people who are perishing. Satan, and oh, by the way, Satan is the God of this world, and his job is to keep you from knowing the truth. It's his job to divert, to lie, to cheat, to steal what God has for us. He blinds the minds of those who don't believe. So we can't see God's glory. We can't understand the message of Jesus Christ. We can't understand. And this, and there's teachers, people who will tell us these things. The time is coming. We'll no longer listen to sound teachings. They'll collect for themselves pastors, teachers, prophets. All these people will tell them exactly what they want to hear. Now, this breaks my heart. Now, early on, back 40 years ago, I was going to the church, and I found an article in a Christian magazine that talked about what, what pastors believed at that time. So I read it, and when I read it, I was totally shocked. 10,000 pastors in 1980, uh, 8,000 of them responded. That's a miracle in itself. Pastors are too busy to answer questionnaires. Uh, especially when it was paper back in the day. But here's the deal. Was Jesus born of a virgin? No, no, no. The great percentages of people. Is Satan and, and hell real? No, he's just an idea. Is the Bible the word of God? They've, they've started to change. So many churches say it contains the word of God. There's, it's in there somewhere if you can find it. Is it the absolute word of God? Major denominations saying no. Is Jesus the son of God? Was he divine? No, mostly No. These are the fearless leaders. 
and you wonder why our country is in the state it is today. Now, I'm not talking trash about people personally. We've stopped teaching the essentials and believing the essentials. Well, what's the result 40 years later? Survey that came out two years ago. Christians in the pew, only 10%. These are people who go to church, believe they're Christians, think they're biblical Christians. Only 10% see the world through the Bible. Uh, 14%, God's your highest priority. Really? Most important relationship with Jesus, 23%. It doesn't, we don't need to dwell on this. Because this isn't important unless it applies to us. And I'm making the assumption that it doesn't. Well, I'm not making that assumption. We're having a series to make sure that it doesn't. So knowing the essentials is critical and important. Who you listen to is important and critical. Knowing and following, it's essential. You know, God saves us by grace. And, and we become his workmanship, his masterpiece. We're created for new works. You see the essentials? We're saved and we're believed. It's by grace. Salvation is not a result of works, but then we're transformed to serve him. And then a day later, when we all leave this earth, which we will, a biblical Christian will hear those words. Well done good and faithful servant. And the last part of it, in the Greek, that really means let's party. I, that's what it says, but let's celebrate. But it's, this is the joy. This is the arrival. This is, this is the promise to those who believe and go forward. So in the next several weeks, don't be deceived. I encourage you to come every week. Study everything that we're saying. Don't believe me. Don't believe any other teacher. Don't believe any, don't go to the internet, oh please, unless re reputable source. But you check everything with the scripture. And, and, and seek carefully the truth that is there. Don't let it be hidden from us. Uh, there's a study guide in the back. Justin mentioned it. Pick it up. Read it. You know, again, and, and, and maybe a, a, just a challenge to you. If you do not regularly read the Bible, start. Give it a spin. It'll capture you. It'll inspire you. It will edify and build you up. Read the Bible. It's suitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that you and I can be adequately equipped for every good work. If we do not read the Bible with an open heart and spirit, we will be deceived. We will be deceived in that. So go forward with that. As we go each week, next six weeks, we're going to look at a doctrinal statement each week. Please be prepared for that. By looking at the study guide, looking up uh, the, the, the guide that you have in front of you on your outline today, make sure you know. And now, a verse that, that is, a, is a famous verse. It starts out famous. It comes out of the book of Jeremiah. For God says, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. The, and that's for each person here. There are plans for good and not for disaster. God's plans for us is to give us a future and a hope. And if we pray, God will listen. 
But here's the big key for me. If you look for God wholeheartedly, you'll find him. If you look for God wholeheartedly, you'll be able to push through the lies and the deceptions of Satan that's all around us. God will speak. He will change hearts and lives. That's what he does. That's his promise. If we look wholeheartedly, we'll find him. And if you're in one of those, if you're in one of the, the place in your life where you are seeking, maybe you're like me, uh, back when I was an unbiblical Christian, or you're not sure what you are, join a class. Come in and talk with us. Get in a small group. One of the Sunday school classes, there's so much going on. God just makes the information available to us. You know, it's, it's available. Please taste and see. The Lord is really good. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we, I stand in awe that you would save a wretch like me. And Lord, you offer that gift of forgiveness, restoration, transformation to each and every person, your beloved children. Lord, thank you that you will be relentless in pursuing us. And Lord, thank you that you will inspire us with your word as we open it. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.